Bang bang. Welcome to the potty is brought to you by Bet with Joel, the best in sports betting advice. What are you fucking clowns doing? <clears throat> you going to the the fucking pokies, the slot machines, dude? <laughs> You're a fucking loser, bro. Get your fucking money up. Sign up to bet with Joel at betwithjoel.com slash ref slash welcome to the potty. Enter promo code potty exclusive 50. That's potty exclusive 50, bro. You know what happens? You get 50% off your first week subscription. And you know what happens during that subscription, bro? Joel sends you which bets to take, right? Which bookmaker has the best odds on those bets? How much of your bankroll to stake on those bets and why he thinks he's got the edge on the bookmaker for those bets. Dude, I'm telling you, you're talking about a man who was who was doing this for over a decade and got blacklisted from all of the betting bookmakers, dude, because he was winning too much money. Now, that's, that may seem unfair, but what he was doing to them is unfair. And now he's given you their knowledge. So sign up to bet with Joel at betwithjoel.com slash ref. That's R-E-F slash welcome to the potty. That's P-O-D-D-Y. Enter promo code potty exclusive 50. That's potty exclusive 5-0 for 50% off your first week. Welcome to the potty is also supported by Phoenix Fitness. That's F-N-X Fitness. Whatever you need to get your body right, whether that's fucking creatine protein fish oil supplements vitamins all that good shit dude go to the link in the episode description or the link in the welcome to the potty instagram bio and enter promo code wttp for 15 percent off of all purchases that's phoenix fitness and also if you just want to support the welcome to the potty podcast just jump on to welcome to the potty.com slash store and buy yourself a butter soft welcome to the potty unsourced t-shirt them shits are fly dude i'm talking so fly people start swatting at you and that that's some real shit bro you want you really you really want that shit to to get slippery who needs ky jelly when you got yourself a welcome to the potty unsourced t-shirt let's start the show welcome to the Welcome to the party, bung bung. It's your man Claytron, aka the big boss man, aka the clumsy jeweler, because I'm always dropping gems. AKA the milkman, because I always deliver. AKA the PhD of podcasts and the Magnum PI podcast and the captain. I'm here today with Benny Darso, aka Benny the Butcher. <laughs> oh man, that's just that's the very first time I've ever been called that. <laughs> How you going? Oh man, good. I love your energy. It's you know, it's very impressive. Yeah, I just got. I actually just heated up a bit. I think I'm sweating. So, Dude, yeah, you just went from zero to a hundred yeah. like a fine vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Ben is a uh, fellow uh, comedian in in South Australia, and you you grew up in Adelaide, or yeah, yeah, yeah man. This is uh, this is my hometown. The last sort of ten years have been on the road, but uh, COVID put an end to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and now that now that we're sort of opening up, mm. are plans shifting a little bit? Yeah, I'm just I'm just calling 2021 in the diary as yeah. uh yeah, the uh, the year when it all starts. Have a up. break and just just hit the local places up a little bit for mm. now. Yeah. Are you getting out regularly at the moment? Uh I've been on stage like a handful of times enough to know that my skill set hasn't completely disappeared. Yeah. Uh, which is actually quite reassuring. Um, but uh, I went out and watched a really good show on, uh, what was it, Thursday night at Jive. Oh, uh, Amos and James. Yeah, I tell you, man, they are both very good stand-up comedians. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen I haven't seen Amos recently, but um, I've seen James a fair bit. He's been on the show. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, Devil's, Devil's Advocate at, at Fringe is unreal. Very yeah. funny, very funny stuff. He's... Yeah. Um, He's intellectual and he's, there's something about his voice as well that just puts it over the line to like another level, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember you, you and I had a little conversation about that contrast um, 
and uh, he is intellectual and he looks like a regular dude having a pie at the football. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, is that that's a good show? It was it was excellent. There were a couple of support acts. Uh, I, I can't quite remember. I hadn't seen them before, but they did great. There was a little crowd there of 30 or 40 people. And yeah. then um, Amos and James both kind of trying out some newer stuff, but um, just really good straight up. Yeah. I think James said that he's been doing like new material at, at every one of those. I think it's once a month over there at Drive. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm uh, hosting a, a music gig at Jive tonight. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's 6.30 to 10 o'clock, uh, 10.30 I think. But um, that's, yeah, that's something that you might have some experience in as well is uh, hosting gigs that it's not particularly a comedy crowd. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's always always a little bit different. You've sort of got to kind of wedge in your uh, your humour because they're not there for for you, but that's probably a good thing. just takes all the pressure off. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, last time I did it, I think I was just – I did some material up the top and then <laughs> realised I was like, okay, I might, might steer clear of this and just focused more on just like – Lifting the energy and getting the getting the bands on stage and really just being up there for thirty seconds instead of <laughs> instead of two or three minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just stop overstating your importance. Yeah, to the <laughs> yeah. So tonight will be a bit more low key, and I'll probably feel more comfortable having having a few beers and um, just sitting back and being yeah less a part of it. I think. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool, man. Just just be the just be the hype man. Don't make everyone go. Oh, why has this guy got such an opinion on everything? Like, straight <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> um. So, do you do you have a partner? Uh, no, I don't. No, no. no. And yeah, I mean, being a traveling comedian, probably pretty pretty hard to maybe maintain a relationship if it's not already established, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think I think probably like a lot of people, this COVID period has been a bit of a chance to step back and kind of, you know, reflect on where you're at. And mm. that's, that's one of the things I've been thinking about is just that lifestyle of the last 10 years kind of building my career out there on the road. Uh, like A, you're not in Adelaide and B, you're rarely anywhere for more than about a week at a time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's something, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 39, actually in two days time. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Um, so yeah, sort of starting to, starting to think like, gee whiz, how do I kind of maybe incorporate that into my life moving forward? Yeah. Are you on the apps? You know, I've never dated online. Okay. Uh, I've, I've looked at lots of attractive profile pics on Facebook, but, uh, yeah, that sounded really creepy, man. You were supposed to laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're looking at me like, come on, dude, that's maybe the issue. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking, cause I've just, I've just finished watching. Did you know Cobra Kai? I haven't seen it, but I mean. I've just finished watching it, and the 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 blonde because it's the original guys in it, the blonde sort of anti-hero. Um, he doesn't have like any idea about technology really, and he gets on Facebook and he he does a bit of that. <laughs> really? I, I sort of was That's like, awesome. I was just picturing it when you when you said it. And did it just like every pic as well? Is yeah, that? and he's like he's like messaging chicks from high school and stuff. Like he's like still stuffed way back in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah, remember me? Yeah. yeah. Um, and do you going going on the road? Like I I have. I started dating my girlfriend before I started comedy and then I'm, I'm not on the road or anything, but I'm out every, well, before COVID, I was out almost every night of the week. Um, if, if I wasn't performing, I was just trying to soak it up. Um, and I mean, it didn't take a toll. She's very supportive, but like, I kind of wonder if, if that support lasts, if I do start going on the road and I'm away for weeks at a time or a week at a time and, um, and how that plays into it and the lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, Obviously, I'm not, you know, 25 anymore, but sure. you're around drinking in bars and stuff all the time. Do you drink? Uh, I was drinking a bit. I think that's actually quite an easy habit to get into and you don't quite realise that you're doing it. If you're working five or six nights a week mm. and having a drink before the show, you're having a drink or two during the show and you might meet some cool people and have a drink or two after the show and you just go, wow, that's kind of, you know, six straight nights there where I've had half a dozen gin and tonics yeah um and and actually uh, about a year ago that was something i kind of really uh, addressed i've dropped like 15 kilos since then and i think a big part of that has just been kind of cutting out that like midweek alcohol consumption yeah 
Yeah. I um I I didn't really drink. I'm I'm a bit I've got a bit of like social anxiety, so I wasn't even drinking to um like get the confidence up when I first started comedy. I was just sort of sitting in the background and like so I didn't I wasn't experiencing that at the start, but like more recently, now that I know people and like have a have a drink, I've yeah, I've realized that I'm drinking like way more during the week and putting on putting on more weight, mm-hmm. like you said. And yeah, it's definitely um part of that culture and oh like i'm always driving so i don't drink too much but i'm sure you know i've i've seen it you've probably seen it you see a few guys that like yeah might be get into a little bit of trouble with it <clears throat> yeah it's funny as well i mean you know you've got your uh background as a uh professional athlete i've got a background uh not at that level but at a good level with a couple of sports and it's a it's a different world isn't it um it's something where yeah, you sort of got to stay on top of it, and you can see pretty quickly. Like if you let it go, uh, you know, it's a, it's a one way street, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, how how old were you when you started? Uh, I just turned twenty. Just turned twenty, yeah. and your first your first gig was uh, Raw Comedy, the competition. Yeah, I, I got that start like probably a lot of people did. Yeah, uh, it was uh, back at uh, the. Uh, Irish pub PJ O'Brien's that a lot of people from Adelaide would probably fondly look back on. Yep. East Terrace. East Terrace. Yep. Yeah, I think it's like... Been kicked out of there. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Yeah, wow. All right. So that, that happens to big guys as well. Yeah. All right. All right. I feel you. Um, it was actually upstairs in a room that uh, apparently was haunted. Okay. Yeah. Um, I later, a couple of years afterwards did a fringe show up there and um, got to know a bunch of the staff pretty well and um yeah heard some heard some spooky shit about uh things that they've seen upstairs really and do you believe in that kind of stuff oh no question yeah yeah do you reckon you've seen you've witnessed or seen anything like that before uh nothing nothing jumps out at me but like if someone's like hey this is what I saw or I experienced and they're just straight up. I totally believe it. Yeah, right. I, I, I believe it because, I mean, I just, and like aliens and everything, I just feel like the, the universe or whatever is just so much bigger than, you know, what we see and what we think and all that. Are you religious? Uh, no, I kind of got brought up in a, a Christian uh, household um, and that just sort of... Uh, didn't carry past probably my late teenage years for 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 me. I yeah, I certainly don't want to go and diss anybody's uh, religion if that's your belief set. But for me, there was just too many things that sort of started springing up, and I just sort of found myself drawn more to kind of what you just said. I said the idea of you know the universe, and mm. I think energy's very real, and I think you can choose the frequency you're at, and I think that will have a big impact on how your life goes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you definitely, you definitely attract what you put out there. I'd like not to a level of the secret where you just think Lamborghini, Lamborghini <laughs> or whatever, but yeah, hit by a Lamborghini. Yeah. Like, oh, man, I got to tweak this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely think uh, people can get taken advantage of for their beliefs, whether it's religion or, or that, uh, you know, supernatural stuff like these all, all the dodgy psychics and <laughs> people are, people are searching for something and you can definitely make a buck off of some, someone just wanting. <laughs> you, know, you know, I saw um, a, a really lovely new friend in my life, actually. She is Claire Cognizant. And so she does, uh, that's not actually her name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> what a coincidence. But uh, <laughs> yeah, she, she does uh, card readings and I saw her about a week ago and uh Man, I, 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 re- I really loved it, but it was funny. I was talking to my mum afterwards and I was trying to kind of like relay all these like, you know, bombs that like she dropped for me. And like, I just found myself like falling totally into like these cliched things where yeah. I was like, uh, on the third day, or maybe it's going to be March, uh, something's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh God, this sounds so weak. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Something with a three or, <laughs> or a four. Or a four. <laughs> <laughs> Something around the three yeah. or the four. I remember that dude, um... Oh, I forget his name, like John Edwards or something, maybe. Oh yeah, he was on TV and and he would he would be so vague and like <laughs> people just start crying, like be like, I see I see a pillow. They'd be Ooh. like, Oh, my dad slept on a pillow, like just like 
as long as you as long as you want it enough, someone can just say something and it's gonna resonate with you. I think that's yeah, that, that's really that's really interesting. Yeah, like what is what is it what is it about just planting a seed or something? And if someone's really feeling something, it's like that might just be the little pinprick yeah. kind of trigger that they need, and then they then they completely put it into that context. Yeah. Um, when you when you started comedy that first time, did you? go into it thinking like this is this is the start of my career this is what I want to do is comedy or did you just think I'm going to give this a crack and see if I'm funny um I enjoy it you're always a comedy fan I I I had never seen live stand-up before I did it I think I'd watched like Eddie Murphy Delirious and I might have seen a few little uh Seinfeld clips yep which he played you know during his sitcom those little live yeah right club shots um but uh, certainly wasn't something I sort of saw as a career. I do remember quite early on, though, like it might have only been a few months in after a, a handful of gigs. I remember I was walking down Rundle Street and a buddy of mine from high school just sort of said, uh, do, you, do you think you'll keep doing this? And it was, the, it was the first time I just acknowledged this is something I never want to stop doing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's... Um, I, always, I always find it funny when i i'm i'm into something i always think like that i'm going to be fully into it this is what this is what i want to do so like even as a um you know 10 year old you you've got your big like nba dreams mm. but then i'm playing with other guys on my team and i'm like oh like you, do you want to play in the nba and they'd say no and i'd be like well, what are you playing for like i just i never understood that yeah. and i'm sort of the same way with comedy like some of these people just like i just do it because I like it and I like it's my friendship group. I'm like, oh, mm. that's why that's why I do comedy. Like, I'm, I just want like I want to f- just go for it. But yeah, 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 yeah. That's sort of your personality type. If you're passionate about something, you you can't see why someone would only would would only want to go halfway. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, people have hobbies. But yeah, yeah. And I've, I I think I think the comedy scene is a million different things to a million different people. You know for. For some people, it's a it's a creative outlet. For other people, you know, like yourself, you've got your ambition to make it your career, which is awesome. And I'm sort of, uh, you know, I'm the same with that. It's something that I, I love doing for a job. And then, you know, for, for other people, um, it might just be, you know, a, a social outlet, a chance to sort of feel accepted. I mean, it mm. really is that kind of, uh, you know, mashup of, of, of people quite often from sort of some of the, you know, fringes of, you know, society yeah. or, or, you know, maybe, maybe they weren't quite the cool kid in high school. And, and I think there's like a real identity that a lot of people get just from kind of, you know, being in that scene. Definitely. And almost it's, it, it's attractive for those people because maybe they weren't listened to or didn't have a lot of friends. And all of a sudden you get all these years of all these funny thoughts or whatever that you've had and you get to just spill them all out on stage and people listening to you and clapping at you and stuff. And I mean, I don't think it's any coincidence that I've gone from one profession where I got clapped at and got <laughs> going into another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? When you sort of reflect, you're like, "Oh, what's what's drawing me to like? <laughs> I need a lot of validation." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. So where where did you when when did you first start traveling? How 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 long in were you? Uh, probably. Two or three years in, I started going across the border to Melbourne. Yep. Um, I was I was really lucky to get some uh, opportunities from the Comics Lounge in North Melbourne, mm-hmm. which is a super venue, probably four hundred seats when it's full, maybe five hundred. Um, and uh, they were they were they were great. They gave me opportunities, um, probably like you know, well ahead of really where I was at at the at the time. They had me hosting some of their shows, kind of you know three, four years into my career and you're yeah. bringing on to stage all these big names that you've kind of, you know, seen on TV as a kid. Um, so that was that was a, a, a an initiation into interstate travel that I'm very appreciative of. Yeah. And how how long until you were full time comedian? It was it was probably about ten years. Ten years. Yeah. A, yeah. That's what they say really, isn't it, for professional 10 years or 10,000 hours? Yeah, that 10,000 hours one's really interesting. It's, it's hard like, for comedy. 
if you're doing five <laughs> five minute sets every night. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're in Adelaide only getting one a night. Yeah, yeah. I think you want to have like a Buddhist belief system there that <laughs> yeah. uh, that this isn't your only time around. If yeah. you're trying to rack up ten thousand <laughs> stage hours. Yeah, I've, I've I've thought about that though. Does that include writing time? Does that include you know surely like listening and surely? Um, yeah, I guess maybe maybe once you get to ten thousand hours of just writing time, maybe you're really you're really coming up with some good shit at that point. And it's less about your stage presence <laughs> yeah. but then by that time you've got 10,000 hours of stage presence and you're like this bigger than life guy with the best jokes in the world yeah yeah i guess man i guess that's what we're aiming for isn't yeah. it just to uh yeah start a joke without knock knock yeah <laughs> who's your who's your um sort of inspirations for comedy I'm, prob- I'm probably a little disappointing on this front i'm actually not a massive comedy nerd like okay. i really love doing it and i really love watching uh the other comics who I'm on with live, but if I've got a little bit of, you know, free time at home, I'm not chucking on someone's Netflix special or anything like that. I mean, I I think Dave Chappelle, I think Ricky Gervais, um, Tom Gleason in Australia Mm -hmm. um, really makes me laugh. Um, And then a bunch of people that probably, you know, the average kind of person on the street wouldn't know like yet, hopefully for their sakes, like people like Jack Barrett, who's from um, Sydney and the, blank look on your face is is totally my point mm. like it's just such world-class stand-up and I, and I think there are a bunch of people around Australia where if the right thing kind of happens for them um and that opportunity to really um you know get their product out there on a bigger scale presents itself like you've got some you've got some world-class talent here yeah and do you do you notice um a difference in standard in different states or different scenes <clears throat> it's a good question. I think I think this yeah, I think the standards like pretty healthy in general and I think comedy has become this really cool thing to do. Like I just don't feel like the numbers who are doing it now like the number of open mic rooms even, you know, at that level of the scene. Yeah. It was nothing like that. There was two gigs in Adelaide when I started. Yeah. <laughs> do you think do you think that slowed you down? Like only being able to get up twice a week? Do you think like you start traveling at one year if if you had more. Yeah, I didn't think about it in those terms back then. You know, like if if I was getting a gig a month or something, you know, for the first year or, or two, um, that, uh, that just felt like kind of how it was, I guess, looking back now with all that sort of stage time. I think, I think for those comics who, um, you know, really want it and, you know, want to go out and get it, I think, I think the curve of you know growth and learning can be so much quicker like Mm. it staggers me uh in certain cases like how good some of these like young comics are who you you see them and someone tells you you know this person's been doing comedy like 18 months and you're like that is that is ridiculous yeah yeah well i uh, i just saw the roods again on on thursday oh dude and he's just like killing it yeah like he, he gets better every time I see him, like, no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, man, I re- I'm, I'm such a fan. And I think a lot of people are a fan as well, not just because he has that kind of raw talent and also that kind of drive, like that work ethic, yeah. which is very evident. But he's a, he's a good dude and he, he listens, you know? Like, it's one of the things, I don't know, man, like I look back at myself when I started in my early 20s, you know, especially coming from, like, a sports kind of background, a little bit more competitive. Yep. Uh, probably a little bit maybe kind of, I don't know, too sure of myself in, in, in certain ways. You know, this is like 39-year-old me critiquing kind of 20-year-old me. Yeah. But I look at Rudes and I go, you know, there's a guy who's already sort of had some life experience. He's got that maturity. Yeah. And he's he's got that maturity to not act like he knows it all and to listen, uh, you know, to other people and people who've been doing it a lot longer than he has. And I think that's one of the things that makes people around him want to sort of support him on his journey. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> so you just said you, you've got a sport background. So did you, I know you played for Woodville as, a, um, as an adult, but did you <coughs> play there as a junior as well? Uh, I played at uh, Norwood for the Norwood, Norwood Flames yep. as a junior. And um, it's, it's kind of funny, like uh, I had a birthday um, 
that was uh, really poorly placed um, to give me a good shot at junior basketball. I was consistently playing um, outside of my um, my age bracket. Okay. Yeah, it, it, without going too much into the details, if I'd been born maybe like six weeks later, I would have had an entire winter and summer season extra in each okay. uh, age bracket. Yeah. So I was consistently in a low div um, playing against, you know, guys who were the best part of like, you know, one to two years older than me. Yeah. Um, and so I was always a good player in my year level at high school, but then when I would go out to district, I'd be playing like div four or div five. Um, and then a few years after high school finished and I was sort of just playing sort of, you know, casually with a few buddies who were still in the district system as adults they were like, man, you know, come out and sort of see how you go. And at like, yeah, 26, 27 years of age, I, I, I got myself to playing, yeah, ABA men's Div 1 ball, having been this like, yeah, you know, just nobody as a, as a kid. And uh, you still play like socially at the moment and you've just, you know, popped your, your calf <coughs> sitting here in a moon boot. Yeah, yeah, this is the result of gently <coughs> strolling over the half court line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Age will do it to you. That that's that's a thirty nine year old's oh, injury. It I totally mean. is. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There's nothing glamorous about this. Wasn't like a towering rebound. Or yeah, a, yeah, bro. Yeah, this was. Yeah, this was a bit of eye contact with the scorer's bench. You yeah, know, walking into the front got court. Sniped. <laughs> got sniped. Just got sniped. Yeah. I was like, who threw that at Chris me? Chris Kyle like, in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, where was it? Uh, where was I playing? Yeah, um, it was at Cedar College. They've got uh, a really good little kind of social okay league out there. And uh, I guess uh, in in fairness, um, it was my third session for the day. I'd had a really good morning session training with the South Adelaide men. Um, been running with the with the Div One guys there. Yep. Um, really good bunch of guys. And then I'd played a little bit of. Um, half court uh, with a bunch of Sudanese and Filipino dudes who play at uh, Kilburn yep. out north. And really, like, uh, body was telling me at the end of those two sessions, you're done for the day, go have a shower, and let's do this again, you know, later in the week. Yep. But uh, I got lured into a third session, and uh, there was a dude, you, you know this, man, that little competitive instinct yep. is triggered. Like, yeah. I didn't want to get involved, man. And there was, <laughs> there was a dude who was throwing too much weight around. Yeah, And so I was like, all right, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to uh, assert myself out here, and uh, my calf muscle said, "Well, we've we've actually got uh, other ideas." So yeah, that one's totally on me, bro. Yeah, you got to listen to the body. You do, and the doctor, yeah. man, the doctor said the exact same thing. He's like, "Your body, you know, like occasionally you'll do a, a horrific kind of, you know, injury out of nowhere, something kind of really random will happen." But he said, "Man, like in general, your body's telling you, yeah, where you're at." And you play a bit of golf as well. Golf's my other golf's my other sport. Man. You're pretty yeah. hand, so you're pretty handy. You get out pretty regularly. Yeah, yeah, I've sort of been like uh, using this COVID period to kind of rebuild my game. I yeah. I uh I played at a low handicap and played sort of state level pennants uh in my uh early 20s. Okay. Um for Kuyonga, I've been there pretty close to sort of 20 years. Yep. And um yeah, very much love the game. I've sort of distanced a bit with it over the last few years being out and about on the road. Mm. Um, but this was an opportunity, you know, with all these kind of months back home in Adelaide this year to go, oh, let's let's see where it's at and to start sort of repairing the game a bit. And you you perform on cruise ships a bit. Yeah, used to. There's an asterisk yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Um, did you ever get to, uh, when they dock or whatever for mm -hmm. a day, did you ever get to go and like play 18 while you're at, in some cool place? Or Man, I... Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't play any uh, golf when I was out and about there. Generally, you sort of have maybe like a sort of a six-hour window if you can get off kind of early enough and uh, you know stretch it uh, until uh, until those last sort of uh, few minutes before the uh, before the ship pulls back off. But uh, man, I got to explore some really cool places um, out there, mainly in the Pacific Islands. Okay, do you have a favourite? A uh, little place called Mystery Island, which is at the very bottom of uh, Vanuatu. Okay. Is, is there volcanoes there? No volcanoes, but you can walk around the whole island in about an hour. Right. It's got this airstrip from, I think, World War II. Um, and uh, 
nobody, uh, especially the locals, stays on that island overnight because apparently there's uh, all kinds of spirits. Oh, here we go again. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. What, what kind of spirits? Are evil spirits? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. Like, I guess if they were good spirits, everyone would be sort of... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just don't want to see, like, auras and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, what if the locals, if that's if that's sort of, you know, what they're doing and that's what they're telling you, you know, like, I'm not going to be the one that says, oh, you know, like, wh- why? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a place down, like, Brighton sort of Merino way called Kingston House. Okay. And there was a story that Mrs. Kingston um, killed her husband and then killed herself in the top room there. <sighs> and that you could go up and see her in the in the window and that, that room's always locked from the from the inside of the of the house. And they use the house for um, I don't know, it's like a community centre or something. But okay. apparently this room is always locked. Okay. And um, so like, as a high schooler, you go up there, you drive up there at night time and check it out. And I don't know, like, I still to this day don't know if I saw anything or if my imagination got the better of me. But I thought I saw something up there for real. Yeah, like straight up. You're like, I think I saw. Yeah, but if someone else told me that, I'd call bullshit. So, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Mrs. Kingston or the cleaner. We don't. Yeah, we don't know. I used to have sleepovers at my friend's place, and he'd be. He'd be, because uh, he w- he was with me when we were there and he'd always take the piss and we'd be, he had bunk, be- bunk beds and he'd be in the top bunk and just as I'm falling asleep, I'd, I'd hear him go, Mrs. Kingston. <laughs> like, oh, I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah. I just want to sleep. Yeah. 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 I don't need this shit. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like, I feel like that's the one and only time I may or may not have seen something. Yeah, interesting. Um, do you, do you have a minute for a, a ghost story? Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so at Royal Adelaide Golf Club, apparently uh, there was this sort of ex-captain of the club who used to have this particular seat in the clubhouse that looked out sort of over the 18th green. Yeah. And that was where he was really, you know, fondly remembered as as liking to sit. And um, a cleaner one evening um, was just you know putting all of the chairs back. Um, had done her job, you know, got to the edge of the room to, you know, turn off the light, look back, and that chair was um, uh, turned around looking out at the 18th green. And she's like, oh, that's that's a little bit weird. I'm pretty sure I just, you know, put all the chairs away. Yeah. And then uh, she walks over to it and uh, goes to pick the chair up to put it back underneath the table and couldn't pick the chair up. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah. Did, did I tell that did I tell that well enough that you got any kind of shiver or I'm just like like that's pretty nuts to <laughs> to even like kind of comprehend that something like couldn't pick the chair up. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. almost like a magic trick. You know, like someone was in there fucking with her and there's like magnets in the bottom of the chair or something yeah. like holding it to the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't like it. When I first when I first got told that one, yeah, I, I, I got this shiver that just like pulsed through the body. Doesn't make me want to play it Royal Adelaide anytime <laughs> Royal soon. Adelaide. Yeah. 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 Um who's your NBA team? Uh ooh, that's a good question, man. I've just been really behind the Aussies the last few years. Man. Okay. So like Ben Simmons, Patty Mills, Josh Ingles, oh, Joe Ingles. Um Delhi, Delhi, Brockoff, Brockoff, Bogey, Bogey, oh, Bogey. Hob- hobbling, yeah, in and out, in and out, yeah, come play playoffs and then come back to Australia, yeah, you know, Joe Ingles is probably the one. I mean, you know, SA boy, yeah, um, and also just the most unlikely NBA star, and has kind of developed this niche in that city where uh, he clearly fits into that team yeah. really well the coach really sees something in him like I feel like that's he's he's a he's a wonderful ball player wherever he goes but I feel like he's the kind of dude if he was on a roster where there were already a couple of guys ahead of him mm. and maybe sort of uh you know a coach didn't quite sort of see that little kind of you know sparkling x factor in him that he could be a guy that 
you know, never really got an NBA career off the ground. Yeah. But he's he's had that right set of circumstances. He's had that, you know, belief from a a, a head coach. Yep. And he's he's a gun. I don't know what his contract is, but I think when he's a free agent, he still gets picked up, whether it's the Jazz or someone else. Because there's teams that could use, like Philly. Philly's got no um, shooters. They could use him. The Bulls, my Bulls, Knicks. He could go anywhere. Yeah. He could fit in anywhere um, yeah. as long as I've got a decent system. There's some fucking bullshit coaches out there. Um, but, yeah, I'm trying, to see some, I'm trying to see some big stuff this offseason. But there's only two months. Did you hear the, uh, the news? I have not heard any news. 22nd of December, they're starting up. Wow, so straight back into it kind yeah. of thing. And is it going to be back in the bubble or are they anticipating actual games? I'm not sure. I'm thinking maybe a few bubbles. Um, just cause I think that the, there's too many of them for one bubble because mm-hmm. even they wouldn't start letting family and stuff in the normal, the original bubble until teams started getting eliminated. Okay. So I don't think that there's anywhere that could, could handle the full league. Okay. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. <clears throat> I'm a Bulls man. Did you watch, um, the last dance? Uh, I did. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I thought it was really cool that they managed to sort of get this extra story out of that whole era. You know, like we've grown up watching every Bulls video under the sun mm. and you feel like you've seen every crazy, you know, Jordan move, you know, that there that there is out there. And then all of a sudden, you know, all this extra footage, this sort of behind the scenes stuff with the tensions between the owner of the team and the coaching staff and Pippen. And yeah, Jerry Krause. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, he actually looked like that, the bad guy from um, Space Jam. He totally did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. This little five foot two, like nerdy white dude. Yeah. With this, you know, uh, paycheck book. Yeah. Just calling the shots and. And say like wanting the, wanting the credit for the uh, championship. It's <laughs> like, you got Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen. He's like, what about me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Real sicko shit. But um, he, uh, that, that yeah, just that whole, there was a few things in there that that I thought were pretty funny. And one was, you're looking at like the, in my eyes, the best player of all time. Mm-hmm. And you'd think that he's got a bit, bit more uh, shit talking skills. But he's like, oh, what are those, Jerry? Your, your pills to keep you short or to keep you fat? And it's just like, <laughs> he's like, like what? Fuck, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he was calling um oh I forgot his name the uh oh from Vi- I think it was from Villanova and he was supposed to be like the next big thing and they they drafted him and uh uh Jordan thought he was soft and he just kept calling him a hoe at practice. Oh um one of the dudes who joined the Bulls later. Yeah, I know yeah. exactly who you're talking about, Scott Burrell. Burrell, yeah, Burrell, yeah. 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 Just like the trash talk wasn't it wasn't clever at, at yeah, all. It was, it, was, it was like you're a hoe, you're a bitch, you're yeah. fat, you're short, like Yeah. Yeah, just hitting them straight between the eyes with the facts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, fucking Rodman's out there, um, you know, doing WWE in the in the playoffs. Finals, I think it was even. Oh, dude. Nuts. I didn't know that. I never like heard about that. I knew he went and did it, but I just like figured it was, you know, in the middle of December or something. But he went and did that shit in playoffs. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was part of the genius of Phil Jackson not to fight that, you know? Yeah. Like, they talk a lot about his sort of uh, Zen Buddhism background and he was sort of a very balanced kind of dude into meditation and kind of brought that flavor to the team. But I think, you know, a, a coach who wasn't maybe uh, oriented like that would have totally resisted you know, everything that Rodman was throwing at them. But, yeah. it, you know, it just looked like he was cool enough to be like, you know what, you do you. If you need to be out until four in the morning, you know, the night before game six, you know, in Vegas drinking, and that's what puts you in a really kind of like calm state, do it. And yeah. look what happened. Yeah. Unbelievable. There was, there wouldn't be a coach in the game today that, that would do that. Imagine Popovich doing that. Nope. I don't think it would happen. No. No way. I'm trying to think of who, who like, the most chilled-out coach is. 
it's got to be, it's probably like Doc Rivers when he's letting all his players do player management and shit. I was thinking of Doc because Doc's a cool guy, but I still think Doc wouldn't stand for that. No way. No way. Um, but what do you think? How many NBA players do you think watched that and started thinking about um, what their documentary is going to look like? Yeah, I, I, mean, I reckon a lot of NBA players looked at that and went, you know what, my trash talking is actually better than I thought yeah. it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, I mean, top two trash talkers, Gary Payton. Gary Payton, the glove. And Kevin Garnett, I think. KG, yeah. yeah. KG, man. That dude was just frightening. Yeah. So intense. So intense. And then, like, have you seen him, you know, like presenting the last few years on TV? Not heaps. Oh, I've like, seen him as a guest maybe, maybe before he got a permanent gig. He's literally the most almost overly personable, cool guy who wants to sort of, you know, like bring everybody into the conversation. And it's like, man, this guy, this guy had an alter ego on the court. Yeah, 100%. And then you got Reggie Miller, who's just as annoying as a commentator as he was on the court. Reggie. One of the worst, one of the worst commentators, I think. Do you really not like Reggie? No. I loved him as a player. I don't like listening to him. <clears throat> and then Bill Walton's my most hated. I, I don't know if I've heard much of Bill Walton. I don't know if he's like, um, you know, taking edibles before he does it. <laughs> like, just like, he'll just like unprompted go into these like diatribes about the sweatiest players he's ever played against. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He's so weird, man. Yeah. And like, like all, just always talking about how great he is as well. Just really? Like, yeah. Isn't that just like sad when it's like these people have got like, worldwide fame yeah you know and it's like you don't you don't need to tell us anything yeah. else man we got it yeah that's my uh that's my major gripe with lebron okay yeah like always he's always got to like talk about himself and compare himself and yeah yeah he's not my guy i know he's been throwing comparisons around since they won that championship yeah. a month ago yeah and i know they leading up they tried to make it like this is the hardest championship but I think it's the easiest. Oh man, playing what fifth or sixth seed in the East, Miami, who were you know like maxing out getting to that series. Like, yeah. I think they did really well. Jimmy Butler's oh, a stud, unreal. He yeah. leveled up. Woo. Yeah, and those shout out to those rookies. Oh, um, Hero Robinson yep. and Nunn, unreal, Unbe unbelievable. Yeah. I, I was watching. Uh, hero highlights from high school, I feel like about a year ago. Like I was just cottoning onto yeah. this like really good high school player. Um, and then next thing, I happen to be watching a Miami game and it's Hero and I'm like... Just torching him. Torching him. <laughs> yeah. Like just made the jump. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I love seeing stuff like that. The unsigned dudes like like Robinson. Mm. Div 3 to Michigan. Sent a message to to someone like a, a sports presenter wanting to find out more about the industry because he thought he was done. Then he uh, went undrafted and then went and did that in the playoffs in his first year. And that's another one, almost a little bit like Ingles with Duncan Robinson, where he shoots you know so many crazy threes. Like he's a, I think he jacks up something like you know five hundred shots a day or something. You know, just yeah. his own sort of skill set, and and that took a coach. Um, you know, to, to see that, like he might not have like a huge kind of overall game. Um, but he said like uh, Coach Spolstra um, said to him, you're hurting us by not shooting those crazy shots. If, yep. the, if the ball finds you in offense and you've got half a look at it, you, you need to shoot that shot. Spolstra is uh, one of the best, I reckon. Uh, I don't know if he was in the conversation for Coach of the Year this year, but I, if he wasn't, he definitely got overlooked. Mm -hmm. Um Coach Bud obviously did did heaps with Milwaukee because they don't they've got some guys but they don't really have anyone except Giannis. Okay. Like, do you watch it? Do you watch much or? Uh, I I lost a little bit of touch with it um, this season, just being sort of so interrupted, and then you mm. know came back sort of in the bubble and didn't sort of seem to have that same kind of atmosphere. And yeah, I, I lost I lost a little bit of interest. I'm sure I'll pick it back up next season. Yeah, yeah. I want. I don't know how many games they're playing, but I think they're. They're shortening it. They're just trying to like bring it back to normal, I think. So they're starting it two months after the play the finals. Okay. And then um, short shortening it, and then I think they'll have a regular off season, and hopefully then the following season will be back back to normal. Okay. We'll have our um yeah our normal 
82 games, which they're, they're also talking about shortening as well. And you were saying about Coach Bud, you were saying he did really well with that. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, and then obviously Nick Nurse up there in Toronto, like they lost Kawhi and they st- they almost looked better. Mm-hmm. Um, That's really interesting, isn't it? When you see a team that loses a superstar and then backs it up the next season. Yeah, I thought it was a result of him though because the before that they were always losing to Cleveland like LeBron – uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Then Kawhi came in and they sort of had this belief in themselves mm-hmm. and their whole swag was different. And then yeah. he left, but they maintained that swag. and They, they got that taste. Yeah, they've got this confidence. And, um, yeah, they looked they looked really good. But I think Van Vliet's a free agent. So I don't, I'm wondering if he re-signs or someone gets him. That's another dude who just came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, who's this superstar? Yep. Just this little nuggety kind of dude who just seems to have, like, total self-assurance at all times. Yeah. And he's going to, because of that, he's going to, whether it's deservedly or not, he's going to end up on a max contract somewhere or, you know, someone like the fucking Knicks who, like, making mistakes all the time or, like, give him a super max and then, like... (laughs) For the next five years, won't be able to sign anyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's where Luke Longley finished his career, man. Like, oh, he, I didn't even know that. Dude, I think I feel like everyone does, <laughs> dude. Okay, so Longley uh, always intended to finish his playing career back in Australia in the NBL with the Perth Wildcats. Yep, and uh, he got one final contract in the NBA with the New York Knicks. I think played like a couple of games. Um, blew out. I think it is. It's his knee. Did, yeah, whatever it was, it was a significant injury was never able to get back on court, got paid out for it, and uh, he never played back here in Australia because he just felt that would have been like totally unethical to have essentially been paid this massive contract uh, for a team that he couldn't get back on the floor for. Yeah. And then you sort of, you know, spring it up on the other side of the world, you know. Um, yeah. Pounding the boards, you know, just because that's where you sort of intended to always finish up. Yeah, wow, that's pretty noble. Yeah. I guess. But um just a great decision by New York just to get this guy who's just <laughs> you know like 17 years into his career. Yeah. They 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 always 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 sign guys like that were great on the just the real bat, like should have probably retired already but we'll sign you. Come finish it finish it over here. Like your favorite player finished at the Knicks. Like T-Mac played at the Knicks. I forget about that. Really? Yeah. D Rose. Um, yeah. Steve Franch- Francis went over there. Yeah. Um, I think I think Jason Kidd was there for a minute at the end. Man, and they're probably mid-season switched to coaching. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Derek Fisher. Derek Fisher. Yeah, I think so. So I remember him because he coached there as well. I remember him at Utah, and then I remember him obviously winning championships with uh, LA. Yeah. And then banging uh, Matt Barnes' wife. You know Is that? that for real? Yeah. Yeah, so Matt Barnes. Um, uh, I feel I feel like on a podcast, which is potentially going out to like any person listening on the planet, yeah. like information has to be so much more substantiated than... Oh, it's all unsourced here at the Welcome <laughs> to the Party podcast. But pr- I'm pretty sure this is how it went down. Matt Barnes was sitting in his car with his kids. And his wife was like running to a shop or something and she's coming back out and her phone connected to the car Bluetooth. And she answers the phone, but it's playing in the car. And it's some guy saying like, I miss you. Like, I can't wait to see you and stuff. And Matt's in the car and he's like, I know this voice. Oh, wow. And he's like, hold on, that's Derek. Right, and so then he takes Gilbert Arenas and he's like, I'm I'm about to smack the shit out of Derek. Like, what do you think? Yeah, just 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 to just to get a cool-headed perspective, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. he contacts a dude who's been uh, uh, charged with uh, gun possession yeah. and beating the shit out of fans in the stands. <laughs> yeah. He, he contacts a guy dubbed No Chill Gil to, <laughs> to, to calm him down. He's like, he's like, hold me back. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> So Gilbert Arenas is like, yeah, you got to, you got to, right? So um, he's, 
I think I think it, it might be like I said, it's all unsourced. It might have been his ex-wife at the time, but like they were still because of the kids, they still like seeing each other a it fair was bit. Still a no-go zone. Still, yeah, it's a teammate, you know. So, um, in the house that he paid for, by the way. Anyway, so they're all out the back of of the house having like a barbecue or something, and Matt Barnes jumps the fence the... to his old house. <laughs> He's like, I know, I know, I know how to get there. Yeah, and just and yeah, um, punched punched Derek Fisher in the face. Okay. Yeah, and um, so that's uh, the ending of that story is sourced. Right, and was that the ending of uh, Fisher's time at LA? Is that what caused? Oh, I don't know. I don't know the uh, time frame of it. I don't know. Just trying to work out how long it was between that and New York, maybe catching wind of what had happened and going, we need to, we need to offer this guy a contract. Down yeah. Here. Yeah. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of that kind of stuff that, that I've heard of. Back in Cleveland, man, in the LeBron early days. Delonte West. Delonte West. Yeah. Banged his mum. If that's, if that's true. Well, I think, I think it is. You just said the exact thing I was going to say. Because, um, yeah, like, like Stephen A. Smith, right? Pretty, like, reasonably credible. Yeah, over the top consistently, but I would say, like, yeah, credible. Yeah, so he was screaming on TV about how LeBron was betrayed by one of his teammates and, you know, that's hard to focus and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So that's the ultimate betrayal. Mm. Like, if that's not what he was talking about in the same year, what was he talking about? Right, right. You're yeah. saying that's probably about as much as he's going to give up. Yeah. I've, but have you seen the news of Delonte lately? Nope. So Mark Cuban saw him like homeless out the front of a uh, gas station, picked him up and put him up in a, a, a motel for like three nights or something and was like, we need to get you into rehab. If you're open to it, mm-hmm. I'll pay for it. Mm-hmm. And... He eventually agreed, and he's been in, been in rehab, and like all these photos have come out of him. He's like looking good. He's oh. been like like shooting hoops and stuff. Wow. Yeah. So that's a that's a good story. That's uh, that's beautiful of, of uh, Mark Cuban to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Because Lont- I think maybe he ended his career in Dallas. Oh, after, I didn't know that. After the Cavs, I think he maybe maybe got the boot, and Dallas signed him. This is another New York story where he's uh, he's ended up. <laughs> yeah, he, now that he's out of rehab, New York will sign him for one <laughs> yeah, for a one year deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, have you got have you got anything coming up? Are you doing a fringe show next year? Man, the little carrot that's dangling for me is uh, a good opportunity in Edinburgh in yep. August, um, international travel permitting. Yep. Um, and uh, it's been outlined to me that I need to generate probably about sort of 20 grand to kind of um, really open that experience up. Okay. Um, so, you know, that's about nine months away. You know, this year is kind of not flown, but it's flown. Yeah. Um, so... That's kind of where my focus is now. Like, how do I just kind of go, you know, head down, bum up as much as possible to um, generate those funds to sort of, you know, start getting that stage time back under my belt. You know, I've gone from doing five, six nights a week through to I've done four gigs since the middle of March, you know. Yeah. Um, And uh, also just kind of got some, you know, raw notes. And I've obviously got all the content that I've, created over the last few years but i, I want to be going over there with a really uh fresh um you know show that kind of represents who i am right now and what i think about so that's that's kind of my nine month project okay and how how often if if at all do you sort of like throw material away like do you do you do it for like a year and then start doing fresh stuff and not really revisit stuff or do you bring it back how do you how do you work that around yeah, I think it kind of um, it kind of varies. I mean, like if you're doing a festival show, like for instance, I did five straight years in um, Perth Fringe. Um, most of them I followed that up with Adelaide Fringe and then the Melbourne Comedy Festival and then a, a couple of the years in the Sydney Comedy Festival. If you're billing it as a new show, that needs to be an, a new show. Um, so 
um, you know, that's a that's a total kind of refresh or pretty close to it. Yep. Um, but then there's, a, there's other environments like, I mean, like, you know, if I'm booked to do 20 or 30 minutes in a corporate environment, there are things from 10 years ago that I'm doing because it's just a, it's just a safe, you know, piece of material or kind of, you know, joke structure or topic or something for that environment. Yep. Um, so I'm not particularly fussed with being, you know, like up to the minute with my, with my content for that kind of an environment. How do you... How do you remember those jokes from 10 years ago? Do you have to go back through like a, a notebook or do you, is it just sort of, it's just sort of there because you've done it so much? Yeah, I guess, yeah, it's just, it's just sort of there. You have a little bit of an idea of kind of the parameters you're working, you know, within for that environment. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, it's a nice feeling actually from time to time. You'll have this joke that just kind of hits you out of nowhere and you're like, oh my God, like I forgot I used to tell that. And, yeah. you know, that's, perfect for this environment and it, and it, and it, it has a really weird uh, effect sometimes of it's sort of so old and it's been so far out of your mind that when you then bring it back it kind of has a, a freshness to it yeah um yeah yeah like a new new energy or something because maybe you got bored of it and then because i know i was last year really focused on um on raw so I was doing the same material, just trying to make sure it was really tight. And then as soon as Raw was done, I was just like, I need to give that shit a break. I'm yeah. so over it. Yeah. And you can kind of feel the audience might kind of believe you less because you're you're over it. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. The audience sometimes, I would say, actually more often than not picks up on how into what you're saying you are mm. quicker than you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, this this joke doesn't kind of get what it used to. And, you know, really like, you know, when you look at it, it's like, well, you're completely over the the the, the concept of what you're talking about, the nuances of the way you would articulate, you know, your yeah. words or um yeah, and you've got to you've you've got to listen to that. I find it interesting though, sometimes when you um pick back up on a, a joke that you haven't done for ages, sometimes it can be um a really good opportunity to look at it through fresh eyes and you actually go, Oh wow. Like that was a good kind of core of a joke, but here's this extra thing and this extra thing and this extra thing that I can kind of add. And mm. you sort of um, get to get to strengthen it. That's, that's sometimes something that happens. That's uh, unexpectedly cool. Yeah. Um, and have you, do you remember like what your biggest nightmare gig was? Have you had any like just, atrocious nights that that you can remember man i uh i've probably got a heap of them in some repressed little chamber <laughs> <laughs> that i don't want to open yeah <laughs> uh man i mean nothing nothing in particular jumps out but there are i don't know it's like it's like a, it's it's People think it's a kind of a black and white thing of did you get laughs or did you not get laughs? Mm. It's very rarely that. It's more of an energy thing, you know? Like you, by this stage of your career, would undoubtedly already have had nights where you know you were really vibing with the audience, yep. you know? And uh, you, you got it going. Uh, you sort of, you know, you're present. You're in the zone. Um, and that's a super cool feeling. And that's what we're trying to do as often as we can. And then there's other nights where you're just not, vibing you're out of the zone there's a disconnect there you're not connecting um and so i would say that's just sort of the other end of the the spectrum and that absolutely happens from time to time and sometimes that happens in front of 200 people when you're being paid a lot of money and yeah. you're supposed to be on stage for half an hour and that's brutal yeah um all right well do you do you have anything you want to plug social media any gigs coming up man uh i just really appreciate um this this has been really cool and as as you know we've spoken about sort of uh off air that um i'm just about to start my own podcast up which yeah. i'm really excited about um it's been something that's sort of been kind of germinating for a while um and then obviously with this kind of um period where the live performing isn't there as it as it normally is it and then you know sports kind of the outlet i've, I've gone yeah. to and i've just you know injured myself again uh it's almost like the universe saying hey buddy like let's uh let's get this going yeah. so uh yeah purchasing equipment next week and uh really fascinated as to sort of how you know how you put this together you got a great setup here and you're a terrific presenter and uh appreciate it 
yeah, I'm, I'm just, um, I'm really excited to kind of enter this world. I've actually got kind of like almost open mic comedy nerves about, yeah. you know, taking a sidestep from something I'm very familiar with to something that's a, a complete unknown for me and uh, just trying to, um, yeah, learn as, learn as much as I, I can and um, love to have you on as a, as a guest when I get that uh, cooking. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, thanks for coming. Um, everybody, you know what to do. Uh, rate and review the show, five stars. Um, tell a friend to tell a friend and, you know, all that good shit. Like, share. Um, welcome to the potty on everything, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Uh, just Google welcome to the potty and uh, love you guys. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Baby, welcome to Baby, welcome to